listening to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast from ChopTalk.com. Welcome to the Grid Iron Growl Podcast. Mark McLeod and Jake Hitt with you. You can follow me on Twitter at McLeod Live, M-C-L-E-O-D Live. Make sure you follow everything that we're doing here on the podcast at Gridiron underscore Growl and at Chomp Talk. Of course, the Gridiron Growl podcast presented by Chomp Talk. Jake, how you doing this evening, my friend? I'm doing great. How are you, Mark? Good to have you back. Good. Yeah, I was out in Austin, Texas. Had an old college roommate, actually a guy I knew in high school. And uh, me and him and his twin brother, we our room together. We were going to school in Gainesville and uh, everything. And uh, his oldest daughter got married. So I had already committed to be out there and was looking forward to it. And got a chance to go over and check out Austin, Texas. Uh, head over to Dallas for a day. So good trip. Good trip out there. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Didn't really get to see any SEC love for Austin, Texas, but I'll tell you what I did. I wore my Southeastern Conference shirt walking around there, and, and I did get a few looks and and a couple people nodding at me and smiling. But as far as conversation, didn't really get into one out there. I kind of thought I would. Now, I, I did with some Gator people who were out there who were there at the wedding, but outside, uh, outside of that, really didn't have conversation. But I'll tell you what. Gator fans are going to love, for those of you that haven't been to Austin, Texas, you're going to absolutely love uh, going there. It's, it is a great trip for the Southeastern Conference. Yeah, um, Austin's a great city. Like, I I, I, I mean, I, me never being to it, but I hear so many good things about it. And, you know, I really judge um, the quality of a city by its food, and there's some pretty elite options in Austin uh, in terms of what you want to eat whether it's barbecue, uh, Tex-Mex, or just about anything. Austin is a pretty good little town. Steak. I mean, look, you got to go to you got to go to Texas and get yourself a steak. I mean, it's beef country. Just yeah. like here in Florida. One of the first things we did, one of the first things we did after landing, uh, went out into a really nice steakhouse and got just a fabulous and got a great deal on a steak. Uh, uh, it was part of a special thing they were doing and and just got a wonderful ribeye. I mean, it was fantastic, and everything was so a uh, really nice restaurant. Uh, you know, so it was it was good. And and as you said, uh, of course, they have Franklin's there. Um, you know, everybody anybody who's ever uh, spent some time on a smoker or you know uh, doing anything with brisket, you got to know Franklin and uh, his reputation, and of course his place out there in Austin. But, uh, yeah, there are several places out there. And, of course, part of the wedding that we were at, uh, they fed us uh, after the wedding, and it was brisket, as you might imagine. So we had brisket. There was chicken available. Um, I preferred the brisket and uh, enjoyed brisket at a restaurant in Dallas when we drove over there. So, uh, yeah, just a great time overall. But a lot going on here. I know people don't want to hear me go on about this trip. We can always do that some other time. But, yeah, I mean, we could talk. We could make a food podcast. We could, we could. That would be a long one, and we should do that one day. Gosh, we'll do that. We'll do that when the off season happens. Yeah, best best hits in the SEC. We'll name it after you. Good. Best hits in the SEC for the food. Uh, yes, exactly. Uh, but uh, yeah, of course, you and Brian took it last week. Appreciate that. Been some changes since last week. I think none bigger, of course, than Corey Raymond. I love the pickup. 
I think it's an exceptional move by Napier. We'll probably touch on some of the other things. And then, of course, a lot of rumors for some of these remaining spots out here with the staff. Yeah, uh, I think amid all the, the, the news with all the decommits happening, it was almost like, you know, Billy Napier told the, told them like, Hey, leak the Corey Raymond stuff right now. Tell them about Corey Raymond. And, you know, that I think for that, you know, cause at that point, the cycle, the news cycle had been dominated by so-and-so decommits from Florida. So-and-so decommits from Florida. And like, you know, a lot of attention being put on the recruiting class or what little of it there is, you know, for signing day. And then all of a sudden, boom, Florida hires LSU defensive backs coach Corey Raymond, who's been responsible for like a third or fourth of the five stars that LSU's pulled in probably the last couple of years. Um, so it's a big get for them, especially because of, you know, how many defensive backs there are in Florida, uh, the Louisiana ties that he has, and just his ability to recruit and get big-name players. Precisely. You know, you go back to a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about the Napier hire and, okay, who, who's coming with him from Louisiana? Is there anybody from the Florida staff that's going to remain? From my perspective, I said two to three from Louisiana. Now, one of the guys I really was convinced they were bringing was Mark Hawk to be the strength and conditioning guy. Of course, he spent some time at Bama. He, he and Napier are tight. A lot of respect there. So no surprise there. Jaluk is another one who, when you looked at him, I, I said keep an eye on him because I just look at the work that guy's done. He's reportedly a very good, a very strong recruiter. And, of course, now you have Patrick Tony. I don't know if that was one I, I that was one I looked at, but I don't know if that was one I really thought might happen. And then of course Darnell Stapleton has made his way here. You got the player personnel. You got Joe Hamilton, who's come in, and Ryan O'Hara. So uh, maybe a few more names from Louisiana than I thought. Florida might add. Still from the Gators program, the one guy I see sticking is Christian Robinson. Not sure that we're going to see anybody else, but at you know, when you and I talked about it two weeks ago, I said there'd be one a long shot. I thought Florida might have two, and I really wasn't sure who that other guy would be. I know we threw out two, maybe three other names. Anything surprised you thus far? Um, no, I think kind of the same reaction to you, like definitely a, a little bit more um, Louisiana personnel than we expected. Um, but the and I, honestly, they have it hasn't been very. What's the word? It's been more busy on the in-office, you know, off-field assistant positions than the on-the-field ones. Because right now, the only on-field assistants are Patrick Tony, Jaluk, um, Corey Raymond, and technically Billy Napier. Other than that, I don't, I don't think there is anybody else who's on the field right now. But they've already hired, you know, Jamar Chaney for, as an analyst. Joe Hamilton is an analyst. Oh, I, I do want to mention Stapleton, Stapleton was also there. Yeah, Stapleton. Which makes you feel like Rob Sales is going to follow him and come with him. Yeah. Um, and so, but, you know, you have Cheney, who's an off-the-field analyst. Uh, Joe Hamilton, who's an analyst. Um, Ryan O'Hara, who's an analyst. And a bunch of, like, personnel, player personnel guys, um, you know, who are more – 
like I said, more, uh, I don't want to say not logistical. That's not the right word, but it's more organizational. That's exactly the word. I was just going to say, you know, they're, they're really setting everything up and kind of getting everything fine tuned for guys to walk right in there. And then they kind of hand them what they need and say, here you go. Here's what we're looking at. We've looked at these guys. We've looked at this guy, this guy, this guy. You know, here's some guys from 2023 that we're looking at. Here's some of the uh, maybe a profile on some of the coaches you're going to be talking to. So yeah, they're they're really the guys that are kind of uh, getting things ready for them. But I think you're absolutely right. And and look for for everybody out there that, that's really kind of concerned about how this thing is going. And the word is slow. That's what everybody keeps saying. But remember. You know, we just finished championship weekend. And if you're going to bring in two, possibly three NFL coaches, they're still in season. So you got to expect this. And honestly, I, I know there are a lot of people very upset about all the decommitments. You, you touched on that. Uh, that's something we're going to talk about. And you better believe it is. But remember, guys, you go back and you've got you've got two different things happening right now. The biggest for everybody is decommitments happen anytime a new coach comes in. Now, if it's a big name hire, you may not have as many, but you'll see some guys flexing and they may not decommit, but they're going to schedule another trip somewhere. Okay. So let's say you got player X who big name coach comes into university. Y. player X says, well, I'm not decommitting, but Oh, by the way, go back and look over the past few years, guys, especially you guys that really delve into recruiting, go back and look and you'll see several of those players. They didn't decommit publicly like you're seeing happen at Florida, but they did go take a visit. They did go take a visit here or there. So they were still uh, looking around, uh, just didn't make the, the play publicly. And I, I'm not making excuses by no means. This is, a, this is a difficult time for the University of Florida football program and everything that's going on with regards to recruiting. We get that. The other thing I was going to discuss is the transfer portal. Obviously, you've got a few guys that have jumped in the transfer portal from Florida, but you're going to see a lot of movement in the transfer portal regardless, and some of that is going to be positive for Billy Napier and this Florida staff once he gets some of these names released and can get these guys, these staff members on campus. Yeah, I think when you you mentioned the, the transfer portal, that is going to be a big deal because, I mean, we've seen teams, I mean, the biggest one being Michigan State, be able to basically rebuild their roster and retool just through the transfer portal. I mean, heck, even on campus at, at UF, they've, have, they've seen that, where Mike White has literally built an entire new team out of transfers through the transfer portal. So uh, it's going to be a big factor. We've, that's all we've talked about with Dan Mullen in terms of how he's been able to fill out his rosters when he doesn't exactly win on the recruiting trail. You can bet that's going to be a big deal now because of how many guys are going to enter it and how much turnover there's going to be just in college football in general. And, you know, you mentioned also guys from the team getting in there. It it could be that, you know, some of these guys are just looking at their options, just like with recruiting, you know, um, a guy like Mahmoud Diabate. I mean, he was an integral player for them. It would hard, be hard for me to think that he's flat out going to leave. Um, I've heard also Chris Bogle is 
you know, might be on the fence, but he's visited some places. Copeland, I think, is gone. He's gone regardless, and so is Mincy. But I think that's, you know, uh, you know, the transfer portal is going to be now kind of like the next step in terms of recruiting. It's like, hey, I'm going to put myself in the portal. I'm not leaving, but I'm going to see if anybody else wants me kind of deal. Yeah, you're right. And sometimes it, you, there's one or two guys that you can just get in the portal that really make a huge difference for your team. Uh, go back to Grenard a few years ago for Florida. Look what a difference he made for Florida on that defensive line. Go look over in Tallahassee. Johnson at FSU. Look, look yeah, what a Jermaine job Johnson. that guy did at DN. I'm sorry? Is it, yeah, Jermaine Johnson. Yes. I think he was a uh, – oh, I, I think he was on last chance U a couple of years ago. Yeah, I mean, that guy, look what the difference he made there. So, you know, there may be a, a couple of big splashes Florida can make in the transfer portal. So not all is lost, but is it going to be a difficult year? Look, I don't expect it to be a great year. The first year of a coaching turnover, I never expect that in recruiting. I just think now that as bad as things are in terms of decommitments for Florida, you can still make some hay in the transfer portal and – you can still make some hay with a few people because the one thing the Florida coaches are going to be trying to do once they Napier does get them here for the February class, I mean, they're going to they're going to be working and trying to flip a few people and and it may work, it may not, but but um, I, I don't think I'm not here pushing the panic button. I'm not one of these guys that that's out there saying, "Oh, great, maybe we should have stuck with with Mullen and tried to salvage." Look. If you think the recruiting class that Dan Mullen was bringing in right now was outstanding, uh, I, I mean, you need to do a little more homework. You really do. Um, yeah, I think um, yeah. What, you know you see that a lot. You know, people are like, um, "Yeah, you guys thought this class was bad to begin with, and now all of a sudden, when you lose them, you know, it's a bad thing, or you act like the you, know, you lost someone, you know, really good." But I think it's because, you know, you're trading, you know, having these guys come to campus. Now, uh, this is saying that, you know, Florida didn't want them. That obviously is not, you know, um, realistic blanket scenario for all of these decommitments. But you say that, but looking at them like, you know, it's hard to think that you say bye to a guy like Jaden Gibson and there's you're, you're going to find somebody better than him, um, you know, that could get on your roster. Yeah, and look, I, the, the, the first big splash is Corey Raymond. All right, Corey Raymond, that, that's a huge hit. Uh, I, there were other schools that were looking at Corey Raymond. He may have been looking at them. I know uh, – I spoke to somebody who covered the Canes a bit, and he said, I'm not sure how it went down with Corey Raymond and, and Cristobal, but uh, I had a Miami fan uh, said, oh, no, I've read that uh, Cristobal did not reach out to Corey Raymond. Raymond reached out to Cristobal. Look, look, if you're Miami, why in the heck wouldn't you want Corey Raymond? Are you kidding me? Give me a break. Sorry, but I don't buy that. I think uh, whatever happened, whoever reached out to who is is really kind of unimportant to me. And now we're hearing a few names. Uh, you mentioned Sale. Of course, we've heard uh, Tosh Lapoy also, who's over in Jacksonville now, 
could be a guy coming in to coach the Florida defensive line. And, again, a lot of good uh, research, a lot of good information coming out of 24-7 sports by Bob Redman on this. Uh, Cider could be coming back to Florida, you know, uh, to coach up the tight ends. We'll see what happens there. Another name that Bob had mentioned was Mike Peterson, uh, the former Gator linebacker, as a potential higher here so and of course again we we don't know what's going to happen with christian robinson we don't know who it is that's going to coach up the wide receivers that's that's one area where i'm very interested in is to see what direction uh, napier is going to go and in terms of uh locking down the wide receiver position well you know i just think it's interesting that these are two positions where the coaches we do not know for certain whether or not they have been let go Everybody else we know isn't coming back. We know Garrick McGee's not coming back. We know, you know, um, the cornerback coaches, not correct. The secondary coaches are probably not coming Montgomery. back. Yeah. We know that David Turner's not coming back. Like, we know all these guys are not coming back. The only ones we've not heard from or heard about are Christian Robinson and Billy Gonzalez. So that makes you think, it almost lends itself to think that they might be getting consideration to be retained for the, the upcoming staff for the upcoming year. Yeah. Gonzalez is a terrific recruiter and, and guys go back and look at what he's done in recent years at Florida. Now this year, the play at wide receiver wasn't stellar. We get that, but, but Van Jefferson, second round of the Rams, Freddie Swain, sixth round of the Seahawks, Tyree Cleveland, seventh round of the Broncos. Um, you, you've had Josh Hammond go to the Jags a few years ago. So, Again, you've had some awfully good wide receivers leave the University of Florida. And, of course, I didn't even mention uh, last year, Tony, of course, uh, a first-round guy. You get a tight end, although it was a tight end, obviously with Kyle Pitts. But a lot of production has been lost in the Florida receiving core overall. And, and with that, I will throw in Kyle Pitts as well. But but uh, Billy Gonzalez, if he were to stay at Florida, I would have zero issues with that. I really would uh, have no problem, and I really would like to see Christian Robinson be able to stay. But bring in a couple, two or three NFL guys, which it kind of looks like that they're going to be doing at least two NFL guys. That would be a, a that would be a, a pretty terrific staff looking at it top to bottom. Yeah, yeah, I think if you can bolster this with a couple more solid hires, and like you said, maybe some guys with NFL experience, um, like Lapoy, that could be really good to round out uh, because obviously it's very appealing when you have, when you can say, look, I coach the NFL. I know what it takes to get there. I know what it's like for it to be there. I can help you. And, you know, that can be a really good um, hire for Billy in in some spots, especially defensive line. No doubt about it. Defensive line for Florida, particularly defensive tackle, that's a position Florida's got to get some kids in. Yeah. They really do. And, you know, that's always been an issue for Florida for years. Defensive tackle has been a, kind of an issue for Florida where they, they've had a few years, Jake, where where you look at the recruiting and you go, man, it's a numbers game. They better get a guy this year. They better get two guys next year. Thank goodness for the transfer portal that really pulled their butt out of the fire this past year. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think we've come in the last couple of years, like, who's going to play D-tackle? Like, yeah, you know, you always worry about the middle of the defense, and that's where you start your – it's where you, you know, start that unit. They always say you want to build it inside out. Tackle, linebacker, 
safety, and then everything else. So the fact that Florida was coming into every, almost the last couple years was missing a third of that element, you know, was always troubling. So they need to start building some depth there at the tackle position. You go back a couple of years ago, Marlon Dunlap Jr. was there. You had Kyrie Campbell. You had Daryl Slayton. And then, boom, an injury takes out Dunlap. Whatever was going on, of course, with Kyrie Campbell. And you had a position where you had four veteran players, although really only three of them you wanted as starters, per se. Then Florida was, was down 50%. So, again, you got, you got to have some numbers there, and you want to – uh, get that where it needs to be. And now this year, of course, you, you had Newkirk, Valentino. Uh, you bring in Truesdale. Um, so there's there's a lot going on there. You still have Gervon Dexter, Lee, um, uh, Thomas, some guys, you know, Watson, I should say. So, yeah, there's still some, some guys there and some talent there, but but you, sh- you really do need to uh, increase those numbers a bit as well. Um, decommitments. Obviously, there have been a ton of that. People are very concerned about it. But, again, it's not – Billy Napier's a game – If you, a name if you know college football, you know what this guy's done. Um, if you're just kind of even the casual fan or, or someone who really doesn't – maybe you follow your team, you follow a few teams in the SEC, you're really not that into what's going on elsewhere, you probably don't know a whole lot about Billy Napier. It's 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 not the big splash, big name hire like when Florida brought in Urban Meyer, let's say, or when Florida hired Steve Spurrier many, many moons ago. High school kids, they don't look at it the same way we do, so they're going to want to look around a little bit. And, and again, they're, they're kids. They want to see who else is really interested in them. Maybe it's been a few months or, or certainly even a few weeks that they've been committed to Florida, but more than likely a few months, and now they're, well, let me throw my name back out there. Let's see what's happening. It doesn't mean that Florida won't reel in one, maybe two more of these kids that, that were previously committed. It, it certainly means that, that there's more work for the staff to be done. Yeah, but it just makes you think that, you know, I I, I find it very interesting that they would go, yeah, no thanks to, like I said, a guy like Jaden Gibson or C.J. Smith. Um, you know, I think with Nick Evers, he's definitely looking for more of a, um, a little bit of a different situation than what Florida could offer. Uh, he might've been told, look, we're going to recruit another quarterback. And he probably didn't like that and left not to say that that's a bad thing, uh, that he would do that. But look, I mean, if you want to be the guy, you know, hearing about another guy getting recruited, kind of turns you off from wanting to go to that school. You know, you want to be somebody's quarterback. And um, it's just interesting. You know, I'd heard that they're, they've been asking commits, the current commits, um, or when they were committed, to send um, videos of them conducting workouts. And I'm very interested as to the method behind that if they're you know trying to evaluate all over again or they're just trying to get kids to follow through on a simple task to test some other kind of you know skill with them but that could also be a reason for it is you know basically saying like look we don't know you and we're going to have you prove to us that we want you on the staff on the on the roster and 
you know, that could turn a lot of kids off. Yeah, it could. Look, I think when it all shakes out, you're going to find that two or three of these kids in the, this class Mullen had were guys that Billy Napier and, and uh, the guys who were here kind of breaking down the film and looking at some of these guys, they looked at and said, uh, I don't know. And maybe even in one or two cases, they said, well, I'm going to take a pass on this one. I don't think he's a fit for our system, but or what we're trying to do. You never know. You never know. But I think when it all shakes out, you're going to hear a little bit of that. Uh, certainly not from Napier and his people. But, you know, because you go back to the press conference, I think Napier won the press conference. And I think if you were a high school kid committed to Florida or even looking at Florida, one of the first things I would hope that your high school coach, maybe your parents, would make you do is go look at that press conference. If there's even an interest in the University of Florida, go back and look at that press conference and see what the man said, see how he he conducted himself. Um, and I, I, th- I think then you'll have a much better feel for, for what we're going to see at the University of Florida in the, near, in the near future. Yeah, definitely not a guy who will get you fired up just speaking. You know, he's definitely not a Tim Brewster or a, you know, Dan Mullen kind of guy, but he seems like a guy who just like with everything else in his life picks and chooses what he says carefully and is very diligent in what is being said. And that kind of reflects how he acts in terms of, you know, his process as a coach. I really liked what he said during the press conference, the blueprint if you will, the organizational method here. Look, there, there's some things we've got to do. And clearly these things weren't being done under Dan Mullen. Mullen had a different means of doing some things, but I, I like what I've seen, what I've heard, what I've heard from some of the guys in Louisiana that have covered the uh, Raging Cajuns program under Billy Napier. And they talk about this guy is, is very much a, here's the blueprint of what we want to do. And here's how we're going to get to there. And we're going to do it the right way because there are some things, organizationally speaking, that we have to hit on. We have to hit on these things and get these things organized. Then we can begin to move forward. And, of course, a big part of that is is recruiting. But, you know, I I would say for everybody that's really upset about what's going on right now, just take a step back and let let the man get his staff fully intact here and then – Let's see what, what happens over the next six months. But just wait for the next six months. Let, let's see what happens as they go through the, the February signing period, as they go through a spring, as they go into a summer, you know. Then I think you're you're going to start hearing a lot of things come out from what, this, what the staff is doing in terms of recruiting and how they're drawing interest and getting interest with these kids. And, of course, by then, Jake – one of the big things for Florida that's going to be a huge plus for all of us is the standalone football facility. Yeah. Somebody mentioned earlier in the the year when the coaching search was still going on just a couple weeks ago that no coach will have had, will have, will come in with a better infrastructure than Florida's next head coach following Dan Mullen because he'll have that, standalone facility made and you know obviously they're very late to the game on it but that's still a big selling point to a lot of recruits why i'll never know i don't get that but to them 
that's a big deal. And once they get that finished, that's going to make it a whole new ball game, I think. I'm with you. I, I'm, I remember years ago having Brad Culpepper on the show, and he was rather unhappy with his alma mater and, uh, and Jeremy Foley and, and kind of the way that Florida had mismanaged facilities. And he talked about, look, I've, I've taken my son here and here and here. It, it is an arms race, Jeremy. It is an arms race. That's exactly the truth. I don't – I, I'm from a different era. If, you know, I fell in love with the University of Florida when I was a little kid because of everything. I mean, I, I visited the campus. I saw it as a kid. I saw the city of Gainesville, you know, when I didn't live there. I saw so many different things that I thought, man, I just fell in love with all of that. You know, whether they have a standalone football facility or whatever, I fell in love first with with the school, with the campus, with the the, the city. You know, just everything there is, is was kind of my initial take. And I really didn't care if they had a chocolate fountain in the dining hall or at all. I mean, that wouldn't have mattered to me because I was already there, you know. Um, that would That would have just been – a feather in the cap, if you will, but but kids these days, I guess, are a little different. Yeah, maybe they're looking at it from as more of a business perspective, as more of a personal what what can you do for me kind of thing. I guess with some kids, and yeah, it's it, it's it's different. I I just uh, I'm very old school and just believe that you know, man, fall in love with your campus, fall in love with the school, fall in love with everything that is the University of Florida, or if you're an Alabama kid, maybe it's Alabama or Auburn or, you know, uh, it just, to me, that that's kind of got to be the way it is. And, and uh, just like if you're in your hometown community and you, you stick with your high school, I, the, to me, these, some of these kids that transfer and they, they go to another high school that's 15 miles away in another area of the county where they never really spent a whole lot of time, but, but well, the football is better up there. Uh, that just, to me, I, I get it. I understand it. But for me, that wouldn't have been what I wanted to do. I would have wanted to stay right there in my hometown and, man, let's go and let's build this thing, you know. And I think uh, there there are a few kids that don't seem to want to do that in this day and age. Like you said, I think there is more of a business element to the game of football. And I will say, just like with getting kids to come to your school, like not as football players, like just getting students to come to your school I think, you know, it is, it has become more amenities based. I think you see, um, you know, campuses create these different things to get students to come, go to just to, just to get students to come to their school, you know, whether it's Florida creating different 24 seven, you know, studying spaces, or like you said, chocolate fountains in the dining hall or whatever, like it's, it's reflected also in, you know, College athletics, if you got the nicest things, you might be able to get some of the better players to come to your school. Yeah, and I mean, I get it. It might just make the difference, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I get it. I I, I remember remember when Charlie Pell came here in in 79, uh, Florida was a mess. You know, you walk in the coaching office, I remember Warren Pell telling us, you walked in the coaching office and in, in Charlie's office, the couch was taped up with duct tape. I mean, that's something you would not see on any college campus right now. I don't care how little money they have. Yon Hall was was a disaster, a disgrace, you know. They really had to had to put money into this program and 
And I get that. I get I get getting up there, but but some of the other things, you know, I I just still think there's there's got to be a place where kids fall in love with the the community, the campus, and all the, you know, the people, you know, and 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 look, kids look at each other across the table and say, "Man, we're we're Florida guys. Let's go build this thing, you know. Let's go do it." And you know, I don't know. I guess I'm uh, I'm a little too old school there. Um, how about some of the other takes? Uh, the bowl game. You know, we've talked a lot about recruiting um, and staffing. Jake, how many people are really interested in this Florida-UCF game? I think more UCF people than UF people. Exactly. Uh, that, is, that is for sure. I mean, look, I'm pretty sure Florida fans have been checked out well before the season ended, well before Dan Mullen got fired, um, in my opinion. So just playing this game, you know, you, there's only positives to playing the game, you know, in terms of for the players and other stuff like that. But for Florida fans, I'm sure they don't see a point in it. You know, it's a sellout, and I'm sure a lot more of those seats are going to have UCF fans in them than UF fans. That's for sure. I'm with you. That's exactly the way I feel. I, I look at this game, and I would guess that since this thing was announced, I have had fewer than five people even comment about that game to me. Every comment is about Napier and the staff, recruiting, transfer portal. I mean, those things huh, are, are well into the double digits from people that I've talked to. And I've talked to quite a few people over the past couple of weeks, but I'm telling you, there, nobody's bought into this game. And, from a team perspective, I, I just, you know, I'm looking at it. I, I don't see any way Florida wins this game, but I'm not that worried about it either. I am happy that the young guys get additional practices. I think that's very important. They'll get more on, on film during those practice sessions that the coaches will be able to look at and and study when they get some time. Um, so that'll help. But, you know, I, I just think overall – Anytime a, a kids can get out there and practice together, it, it, it only helps. I understand a lot of the staff will be gone, but I still think it's very important. But as far as the game Wait, itself, I, I don't I don't see it, Jake. I don't I don't see a lot of interest. And look, Gus Malzahn is making it rain down in his house in Orlando. He's got all that Auburn money, twenty one million. UCF's paying him for UCF. This should be a uh, a game they're very excited about, but I'm telling you, the first UCF person that tells me that celebrates and tells me, ah, oh, look, yeah, we're a better program than Florida. We got Florida. I mean, if they were to to go to to Tampa and win that game and to dance around and celebrate it as a big UCF win and and a a um, you know anything you know to, as as a statement win over the over a University of Florida program, I would just I would just howl laughing at those people. I really would uh, because they're they're obviously too blind to see what's going on right now. You know I think it's you know it's it's very interesting looking at this from both sides because if you're you like if you could think about it from the UCF side, you're playing with house money in the sense that, look, 
you got nothing to lose and everything to gain winning this ball game. But you could say the same thing from the Florida perspective. You know, with UCF, if they win, they'll have beaten Florida. They get bragging rights until 2024. Um, you know, they can talk all whatever they want about beating the University of Florida after all the things that happened with scheduling the two for one. But if you're Florida and you win this game, you can say, oh, look, UCF wanted to play Florida so bad, couldn't even beat a team that was 6-6 six and six and had its head coach fired two weeks before the season ended or two weeks before the bowl game. And so, I mean, it's, it is going to be very interesting. I do think UCF um, is going to be a team with probably a little bit more juice coming out just because of them wanting to prove something, I guess, even though they proved plenty when they won the Peach Bowl uh, back in 2017, 2018, you know, but it could definitely be um, a pretty big statement. And like I said, it give them the ability to make a lot of noise between then and 2024 when the Gators will play them again. It's the mean nothing bowl. But if Florida were to win that game, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That would be a, that would be such a Gus Malzahn loss for UCF. Wouldn't it, though? Isn't that exactly right? Yeah, uh. I think that that's, that's the never underestimate the ability of Gus Malzahn to screw something up. Exactly. Or when you least expect him to get something done to go get a win. That I seems mean, to be the Gus way. He's two different sides. He's basically like, it's weird. He's both sides of the spectrum, yet it ends up equaling in mediocre products regardless. You know, I've seen a little bit of Dan Mullen and Gus Malzahn. A little bit of Gus Malzahn and Dan Mullen. I mean, I really have because you look at these Alabama games, nobody expected Florida to win. Uh, that SEC championship game a year ago. Nobody expected Florida really to compete that hard, I think. I think a lot of people thought Florida's offense would have some success. It's far too much Alabama offense to win that game. Alabama's it was a good game. Same thing this year. And then you have games like the Missouri game, the Kentucky game. The, you know, we could go on and on. There's always seems to be that game for Mullen uh, where you go, come on, you got to be kidding you know that was my that was one of my takes on Mullen, uh, outside of recruiting that I just kept thinking this is just absurd. That's going to do it for me, Jake. I, I can't think of anything else that we really haven't touched on. I mean, obviously, there's so much to talk about, but so many unknowns as well. We're just going to have to wait for some of this stuff to break. You know, we can we can do this. How about this? I'm going to ask you this one question, and then we'll get going. If the Gators were to make a another on-field hire between now and the next time we record, what position do you think it'll be? Oh, boy. I'm going to go wide receiver coach because I, I think I think the guy they wanted to D-line is in the NFL. I think the guy they wanted in the offensive line is in the NFL. So I will say wide receiver or linebacker, but uh, since we really uh, don't have any answers wide receiver, I'm going to go wide receiver because uh, that would just be the most uh, – the thing that nobody's really talking about at length right now. Yeah, that's for sure. Well, you also have to consider, if I'm not mistaken, there's still the tight ends coach available as well. 
True. And the second offensive line coach, too. The New Orleans Bowl is on the 18th, which, I mean, look, there could be a announcement like the next day if they are bringing Rob Sale on. All right, man. Well, uh, that's going to do it for me. You can uh, follow me on Twitter at McLeod Live, M-C-L-E-O-D Live. Certainly uh, love hearing from all of you. I, I And I do appreciate it. I should have said this a few uh, podcasts ago, but have had some private messages from some of you guys. And, and uh, I just want to tell you how grateful I am uh, to receive those and, and thankful. Uh, it's been interesting to hear your takes on things. And um, – Certainly appreciate all of your commentary. Jake and I certainly appreciate doing it. The only thing we haven't really enjoyed is all the bad news. Uh, there's just been so much bad news to bring to you guys this season. Uh, that's not what we expected. Certainly not what you expected, I would think. And um, this is not what we thought would happen. But here we are, and hopefully there'll be uh, certainly brighter days ahead. But uh, thank you for all your commentary. Jake, I'm going to let you send us out of here. Yes, obviously we're very grateful for any kind of feedback that can be given. And obviously, you know, we'll always be grateful for any kind of praise that you wish to heap upon us. But uh, for right now, for Mark McLeod, I'm Jake Hitt. We'll see you later.